That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well I see fingers up and down my spine Same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine We are back. Another episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are on Chapter 14 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone Ravenclaw Edition. That's mine. No matter what book you are reading, we are on Chapter 14, The Forbidden Forest. And uh, we're only, we've got this and two more chapters left, so we're getting, things are going to start moving pretty quick. Yes, yes, there are. So, uh, kind of uh, recap the listeners on where a couple of our main characters are at, uh, storyline-wise, because at the end of Chapter 13, Harry and Hermione were in a little bit of trouble uh, at the end of the last chapter, correct? Yes, they were. Did it ever tell us why Ron wasn't with him? I know they couldn't all fit under the, the invisibility cloak, but it just seemed like... Harry and Hermione was an odd combination, especially yeah. for such a physical task. Are we saying that Hermione's stronger than Ron? Yes. Okay. If that was the deciding <laughs> factor, I completely understand. I just wanted clarification because I, I didn't know what the deciding factor was. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of weird, too. I I guess my first reaction was that it was just because of lack of room under the invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. But I guess I never really thought further than that. Maybe they just uh, felt that like Ron and Harry had gone on too many adventures, and they mix needed it up to a bit. mix it up a little bit. Yes, but given the physical strength needed for that task, mm-hmm. I would have thought the obvious choice. I mean, it would probably be Ron and Hermione. I mean, Harry's pretty scrawny. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> yeah, that's true. He has been like malnourished over the last eleven years of his life, and yeah, yeah. But I guess we couldn't cut. Probably has brittle bones. Harry probably doesn't drink it. a lot of milk. And probably give, probably just give him bread and water, the old uh, the old prison diet. When we're past Christmas, he should have bulked up a little bit. Oh, he's right. been he's been power bulking. You see, like every time food comes around, he's uh, you know making up for lost time yeah. quite a bit there at, at Hogwarts. Yeah, but I, that was a little strange, I, I guess. But so the entire time I was reading this chapter, I was trying to figure out what the point was was she needed the author needed hermione for needed, this next scene needed hermione to go on some adventures that's what we needed yeah a little girl power a little girl power. never hurt anybody but neville is in trouble too yes Poor neville. <laughs> how, did, I how did neville get how did neville get drug into this nonsense i read that was one of my notes i love how in the books neville is always there just outside of the little bubble mm. of the threesome He's never in the circle, yeah. but he is always orbiting the circle. He's always there, and in the movies, you <laughs> he's like a moon. <laughs> <laughs> in the movies, he's just like this side character you totally forget about until he pops back up mm-hmm. on his rare occasions. Um, so I just—it's a big difference, I think. I love it because. Well, apparently Neville, Neville was was trying to help. We saw that Draco got into some trouble because he had found out about the whole dragon sending pickup 
uh, plan. <laughs> I don't even know what you know what to call it. Uh, yeah, the, Operation Get Rid of Yeah the Dragon Shenanigans. Norbert. The Dragnanigans uh, up at the top of the uh, observatory, and Draco's whole plan here, a whole idea here, was just to try to get. Ron or Ron and Harry and Hermione, whoever was going to be participating in this, in trouble. And McGonagall's not hearing any any of it. She doesn't believe any of this nonsense about dragons. And everything was looking pretty good. That Draco was going to get in trouble. We were going to get the dragon uh, sent off to uh, Charlie. Charlie? No, not Charlie. Uh, Not Ron. (laughs) Not Percy. It was. Which Weasley boy are we talking about here? It's Charlie. It's Charlie. I, see, <laughs> I, just, I had it right. I just wanted to see if you come so back many. around. Oh god, there's so many Weasleys. You still it's forgot like Bill. When my uh, when my mom would yell at the kids and the dog's name would make it into the rotation sometime. Yeah, I just wanted to see how far you would go. Jacob, Andrew, buddy. <laughs> You know, just there. Then there's so many. It's just another part, prime example of that. My mom is Mrs. Weasley. Yes. Uh, everything was looking pretty good because Draco was going to get in trouble. We were going to get to get the dragon off, but then we absentmindedly forgot the invisibility cloak at the top of the tower, and Ron and Hermione come down the stairs only to run in. Harry to, and Hermione. You see, uh, you're just geez. the names. Buddy, you're buddy, Jacob, Andrew, Charlie, Percy. Harry and, and Hermione. Hermione run into Filch, and they are Sans Invisibility Cloak. So now we've got Harry and Hermione and Draco in trouble, but then Neville gets caught too, and he was trying to help in some way, right? Yes, so Malfoy found out about it. And he was trying to sabotage it, but he didn't know about the invisibility cloak. Neville found out that Malfoy found out and was going to try and sabotage it. I'm keep doing hand gestures to keep this all straight. Which is great for audio. (laughs) I just need to keep it all straight. Right. And so then he sneaks out to try and warn Harry that... Malfoy knows, which they already knew that Malfoy knew because Ron told them they got that he got a hold of the book mm-hmm. that had the plan, the letter in it. So Neville's trying to be a good friend here. He is. Neville's but, always trying to be a good friend. But it just it's not it just doesn't work out. Just things he, things early on in this book. I mean, I I don't say early on in the book in this whole book, but early on in the saga, Neville is kind of just tripping over himself. You know, despite his good intentions, right? Yeah, no, never, nothing ever seems to work out for Neville. Well, I mean, he kind of started his magical journey getting thrown out a window, so, <laughs> you know. I mean, I just kind of like par for the course for Neville at this point. Mm-hmm. So not only are the foursome going to be subjected to detention, but the three Gryffindors that were caught out past curfew are going to get a point punishment as well. And it's 50 points. And not 50 points total, but 50 points apiece for a total of 150. I know that because uh, I went to public school and I learned math. They also said it in the book. Ah, ah, yes. (laughs) 
150 points from Gryffindor, which takes them from first place in the House Cup standings to last place place. in the House Cup standings. So how does this affect, because a lot of the, you know, this happens overnight. All all the houses wake up the next morning and they have like these huge shift. They have these hourglasses, right? That show like that's how they keep track of who has what point so they don't they don't have like a digital high school basketball scoreboard or something like that hourglasses with the colored gems that trickle down for how many you have so the whole school wakes up the next morning and all of a sudden there's been this big dynamic shift in points and then word starts getting around that it is because of some of the shenanigans of Harry and Hermione and Neville. Word that I'm sure Malfoy was more than happy. Even though he oh, got yeah. in trouble, he was more than happy to spread around. Totally worth it for him. Mm-hmm. So how does this affect Harry's standing at school? With his friends, with the others in his house, and then even with its, his Quidditch team? Well, pretty much everybody hates him. Except for the Slytherins. Uh, he went from being this mystical celebrity most popular kid to people just openly being mean to him calling him names or refusing to talk to him outright Mm -hmm. all except for Slytherin of course they're very pleased with him and thank him and applaud him which probably doesn't help the situation at all and why were the and it's not just the Gryffindors that are upset about it it's the the Hufflepuffs and the Ravenclaws are even mad about it too why is that well they they just didn't want (laughs) Kind of like us when we go to trivia. Mm-hmm. We want anyone but the hot cops to win. They <laughs> wanted anyone but Slytherin to win. Even if it wasn't them. As long as it wasn't Slytherin, they were going to be happy. Yeah, there's this... Slytherin's uh, been winning for a while. There's this team on Tuesday Night Trivia called the Hot Cops. And uh, yep. no, I don't. none of them are hot, and I don't even know if they're cops. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But uh, they win quite often. And it's gotten to like the point. all the time. And uh, I'm convinced that they're cheating. Definitely using uh, technology to access answers, which you're not supposed to be able to do. And I, you know, we kind of just got to the, the point where we don't care who wins as long as it's not them. Yeah. It's, a, it's an entire restaurant full of strangers. <laughs> and when it's not the hot cops, we all cheer. Yeah. Because it's not the hot cops that won the round. So we're just like uh, the other houses are kind of banding together against Slytherin here just because they've been winning so much lately. And they're probably not, you know, the most humble winners. Oh, oh good. <laughs> Heavens no. Heavens no. Now, is that is that what you were mentioning when you were reading the book and you kind of made a comment to me about oh, yes. Hufflepuffs? Hufflepuffs. I just thought it was interesting because, you know, they're supposed to be so friendly and loyal and love everybody and all that. And they're just like, Harry Potter, we hate you. Yeah. You suck. Yeah. Well, I don't know if anybody just came out and said that, but I don't, didn't really see in the book where they said, Harry Potter, we hate you, dot, 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 you suck, <laughs> said Hufflepuff boy number seven. <laughs> I don't remember that that uh, coming up in the well, story, but maybe that, that, that could have been in the uh, Ravenclaw edition. Oh yeah, of yeah. I'm Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, because uh, we know there's some uh, some changes between the UK version and the US version. Uh, another weird situation happens while Harry's kind of dealing with this turn of fate in in his standing at school, and he walks by. 
a oh. an open door, I believe, with something going on with uh, Professor Coral. Yes, but I think we need to mention that because of his punishment and his drastic change of status at school, it has prompted him to make a promise to himself. <laughs> a promise that he's going to keep his nose out of other people's business. And if it doesn't concern him, it doesn't concern him. And that's why this is the last book in the series. Yes. Because no other books came after that because oh. he got into... No, oh! Oh, no? <laughs> oh, no, there's six more books after this? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this promise is not going to last very long, much like uh, many people's New Year's resolutions. Probably less, because I think this only lasted, what, a page? Page and a half? That's about how long people go to the gym after New Year's. About a page worth. Equivalent. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with Coro uh, in this chapter? We we know that he's kind of been hanging on by a thread, fighting off the advances of Snape to try to get access to whatever his enchantments were uh, for protections for the Sorcerer's Stone. We know that Quirrell uh, in this chapter, Harry could overhear him saying, No, no, not again, please. And he's crying, and then he finally <laughs> break. you know, he finally gives in and says, All right, all right. And comes, comes out of this room, you know, readjusting his turban after some supposed nonsense that went on. And Harry just assumes that Snape was in there giving him the business again about... Him. And bullying him into into helping him out, and has finally won. Right, it's he's in, finally agreed. Okay, mm -hmm. fine, fine. Yeah, judging by what he hears from Coral, that it's he's finally uh, gotten worn down enough to the point where he's going to give in to what Snape wants, which is not good for anybody. So, uh, why doesn't Harry just go to Dumbledore with this? Well, he goes to. Ron and Hermione. Mm -hmm. And that is brought up. Hermione suggests just taking it to Dumbledore. But they have no proof. And what little explanation they can offer will just end up getting them into more trouble. Mm -hmm. If they explain about Fluffy, if they explain about the stone, they're not supposed to know about any of those things. And so they're just digging a deeper hole. So unless they have more proof, they're not really going to hit their word against his, is what they say. Who are they going to believe, the students or the teachers? So something big's coming up with Quirrell, because we've only got a couple chapters left, and it seems like this chapter was kind of his tipping point into, you know, he's kind of put up as much of a fight as Quirrell is able to. I mean, this is a guy that's fought werewolves, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that. And he's got, like, a cool turban that, like, some Sultan gave to him. But it's Snape. Snape's rather creepy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what would you do if Snape cornered you in a dark hallway and asked you for a favor? Probably blow my whistle. <laughs> oh, okay. I have, a, I have a whistle I carry with me at all times when I get in, in trouble. That left over from your PE days? Yeah. It serves multiple purposes. And I uh, just blow my whistle until help comes. So... We know that something's brewing with, with Quirrell, and then something's kind of coming to a head here. And it's going to be something major, because we're almost at the end of the book. Two chapters. But well. we really we really don't get much more uh, of Quirrell in this chapter. Um, it seems that 
that, that whatever's going to happen is going to happen in the final two chapters. We do get the note from McGonagall at breakfast the next day that detention is going to take place that evening at 11 o'clock at night. A little weird, right? Well, to someone who's not read the books, but it's Hogwarts. They do things a little <laughs> differently. They, uh, I'm well aware of this fact by now. They apparently do detention very differently because at 11 o'clock that <laughs> night, Filch happily leads Harry... Hermione, Neville, and Draco out to the Forbidden Forest and lots of insinuation that they're going to go into the forest and not come out the next day. Yes, but see, how they used to hit this better, probably better, <laughs> than what the way they used to handle detention when they strung them up by the wrists from the ceiling for a couple of days. And Philip says he still keeps the, the chains oiled just in case just that in case the good old days need <laughs> to come back. Yeah. <laughs> Not the good old days when you could just chain kids up to the ceiling when they were bad. Yeah. It's like when the uh, I tell the kids at school that, you know, the principal used to have a paddle that he that hung on his wall, and he had holes drilled in it so he could swing it faster so there'd be less wind resistance. And they just, they, they can't even fathom no. that. No. Now, do you think that, that Filch, that that really used to happen at Hogwarts, or do you think that's Filch just kind of uh, um, enhancing... I would like to think that he's just uh, trying to spook the kids. Mm. But as I said, this is Hogwarts. And stranger things have happened. Well, yeah. Because kids get detention. There are, are and they monsters living in the, in the forest. The yeah. And they're taking kids out there. Trolls walking around. Trolls wandering around in the building. <laughs> you know, just... Three-headed dogs guarding... Uh, Immortality elixirs. It's, uh, it's an interesting time. Absolutely. But just lots of, you know, Filch basically, you know, telling them, you know, oh, you messed up this time. Now you're going to go into the forest. I'll be back at dawn for you. To collect whatever's left of yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's just uh, a little weird. And, Dr and Draco and Neville particularly are, are freaking out at this. You know, Neville, because... He just kind of always freaks out about everything. But, you know, Draco, for one of the few times in his book, seems a little um, uneasy. You know, he doesn't seem like overly like cocky and confident about everything here because this is not a, a situation that he can control. Yeah, I think he usually probably has somebody around him to take the fall. Like, mm. I'm not going to say he's never been in trouble because he probably has. But he's usually probably pretty slick about it. And somebody else is going to take the fall for him. One sure. of his goonies. But um, also his his name and his status probably gets him out of a lot of things. Especially because Snape's the head of Slytherin. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the Malfoy name would carry a little bit more weight there. Whereas McGonagall doesn't really show favorites like that. Gotcha. Well, the... Uh, the foursome's not going into the woods alone because Hagrid shows up Ooh. with Fang mm -hmm. and his crossbow. And yeah, another sign that this isn't, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just a stroll through the woods. Nope, we're not just going. Hagrid to, is armed. It's not just a scared straight program where we, you know, take the Pretend kids. Pretend that the the woods are dangerous. Sure. Yeah, we've got a uh, Fang and a crossbow. And so, what do we know about Fang at this point? I because. 
basically all my dog attention has been focused on Fluffy in this book. Um, what do we know about Fang at at this point in the book? Um, I picture Fang the way he is in the movies, so I pretty have... Which is how? He's a big mastiff. Mm -hmm. He's all wrinkly and drooly and, you know, the ones where you can hardly see their eyes because sure. they have so many wrinkles on their face. Um, how big compared to Hagrid? Like, is he like... Like, ha like Hagrid to a normal person, is that Fang to like a normal Mastiff dog? I don't think they go out of their way to make him any bigger mm -hmm. in the show. They just use a Mastiff because he's a big breed already. Okay. So I think it's just a regular dog. It's just is a Mastiff, so he's big. Gotcha. So we don't really know why we're going into the forest other than we're being punished, but... We don't know what the mission, quote-unquote, mission is. But Hagrid turns the group's attention to unicorn blood on the ground and says that he found a dead unicorn last week and now apparently another is badly injured. And this is not par for the course, right? <laughs> we no. don't just have, uh, you know, you don't just, you know, find, you know, unicorn uh, roadkill, you know, in the, in the forest. Well, no, because there's no roads, but... Well, it might trail, be like four-wheeling four, four through the... the four. Ah, man, I hit a unicorn. But it's still not a road. It has to be on the road for it to be roadkill. Gotcha. So it has to be trail kill. Yeah. Which doesn't yeah, You're being right. very Ravenclaw-ish right Sorry. now. So um, okay, so... You could <laughs> dial it back a little bit so we can get through the podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> Sorry. Um... Not normal, yeah, he right? He says not normal. Doesn't happen very often. Actually, he there's so he mentions that they're too fast to be killed by most things, mm -hmm. and yeah, because I think somebody said could a werewolf have done yeah. it? He says no. I'm like, where's Professor Coral when you need him? <laughs> they're too fast, and he think he even says he's never seen one hurt like this. Mm -hmm. And now two in like a week's time, I yeah. think. Very interesting. So uh, we get the horrible idea of breaking up into two groups. You always need to. Spread out. This is a awful idea. It never works out. Well, there's a trail, and they don't know which direction the animal was headed in. So well, they you don't know if it's coming or going, so you have to follow both ends of the trail. Well, you're out there till dawn. It's not like you're pressed for time. You are. He's hurt <laughs> and could be bleeding to death. This poor unicorn. So, because... You this, want to get to him as quickly as because possible. Because this poor unicorn is suffering, we are going to go into something called the Forbidden Forest and break up into two separate groups. Now, to me, these teams that they break up into are very uneven. <laughs> <laughs> I Let's send um, Hagrin, who's a enormous man with a crossbow mm -hmm. hunting experience just you know general man's man uh we'll send him with the girl who is uh probably the most adept first year student yeah sorcerer at this point out of the first year students and uh the chosen child <laughs> harry <laughs> potter the legend the man the myth the legend harry potter that's one team uh -huh. The other team is evil Draco Malfoy. That can be 
Intimidating. Tripping over his feet, scared of everything Neville. And apparently Fang, who's also scared of everything. Because Draco kind of jumps on it and says, I want Fang. I want Fang. You know, because he's like got yeah, sharp teeth. Yeah, so he and... made that choice. I know we all hate Draco, but that does not mean that we <laughs> have to set him up for potential death. You know, I, I just it just seems to me that like the dodgeball teams were picked and like all the big kids were on one team and <laughs> all the kids wearing goggles were on the other team. <laughs> I can't argue that point. Okay. I just checking. So uh, the plan is stick to the path. I was really confused though because I knew that wasn't how it ended up. So mm-hmm. I was like, is this different? What? This is not how it happened. I'm, I was so confused reading it because I forgot then it mixes up later. Gotcha. So the plan is to stick to the path. Shoot, send up green sparks if you find the unicorn. Mm-hmm. Send up red sparks if you run into trouble. Mm-hmm. And Haggard's What group, if you find the unicorn and there's trouble in the same spot? Uh, what do you get when you send up red and green together? What does that make? I'm trying to remember, remember back to the color wheel. <laughs> the color, no. Green is a, is a combination. No! <laughs> it's just going to look brown. <laughs> They're not, nobody's going to know what it means. It's going to be so dark and we'll see brown sparks. All right, so they're dead. They're dead. There you go. They're going to be dead right next to the unicorn because oh, they found geez. it and now they're dead. Uh, Hagrid's group runs into Ronan, a centaur. And huh? for, for those of you who don't know what a centaur is, that is the uh, top half of a man and the lower half of a horse. Is that correct? Like the guy yeah. in the Old Spice commercial? Yeah. And the, that was going to be your your uh, comparison there. And I believe that is the uh, I believe that the actor that plays the centaur in the Old Spice commercial is also on your Shadowhunters TV show that you watch. <laughs> You're like, oh, good, we got the Old Spice guy. Old Spice guy. <laughs> this is gonna be a great show. Uh, He's centaurs, a werewolf, though. Pardon me. He's a werewolf in Shadowhunters. Uh, uh, so first of all, spoiler alert for you got to say that for anybody who no, that's like from the beginning. He's a, he's a werewolf. Okay, well, spoiler alert because <laughs> I haven't seen any of the episodes yet. I got them all queued up on my Netflix. No, you don't. No, I don't. That's not. I'm. I can't back that up. But the thing we find out about centaurs is that um, they are very much like the Riddler <laughs> in that. <laughs> Everything that comes out of their mouth is just convoluted uh, nonsense that kind of hints at what they're thinking, but they never kind of come out and say it. Yeah. Am I right with that? It's it's not that bad later, but I guess we're, we don't know them very well, so they're yeah, they're playing this trippy card. Well, I'll tell you what, Mars is bright tonight. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Very bright. Yeah. Very bright. It's almost like brighter you, than usual. It's almost like if you keep saying it, like all of a sudden the person who does not speak your language is going to understand it. Mm-hmm. Like when my mom went to uh, Disney World that one year. I knew this was coming. And uh, Disney World is traditionally a. Uh, a Tourist destination for people all around the world. People of many cultures, people of many languages. And oftentimes, uh, you cannot expect teenagers from another country to also speak your language. However, my mom believes 
that if you say something loud enough and slow enough, <laughs> that they will be able to understand it. And um, apparently that's the way that centaurs feel. They feel if they say Mars is really bright tonight while they're winking at you, uh-huh. that you will understand that. Yeah, oh. I, I still don't know what that means. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> didn't work. No, it didn't work. So my mom was wrong all these years? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Okay. Yeah, wouldn't be the first time. No. So Mars is bright tonight, and we uh, we know that the centaurs, I guess they use astronomy to tell future events. Is that right? Yes. So yes. they can... They think they know the future. And, and most of the time, it seems that they were led to believe that they're pretty accurate. They seem to think they are. Mm-hmm. Hagrid kind of, meh. They don't always know what they're talking about. And who was it that McGonagall said that, like, uh, fortune-telling, soothsaying is kind of an inexact art? Yeah, Hermione said that, McGonagall said that, that it's not an exact science. That mm-hmm. it's but these centaurs seem to believe that, that what their, you know, their premonitions are, you know, pretty well found. Yes, and then they seem to have a strict rule about not trying to change it. Right. It's like uh, we know we're just here to observe, you know, not really here to interfere. I feel like then what's the point? If you're just going to read it out of the stars and then watch it happen? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like spoilers. Why not just watch it happen? Yeah. Well, we've got, you know, uh, another centaur shows up, Bane. And same shtick, Mars is bright tonight, wink, wink, you know, don't you see how bright it is in the sky? Hagrid's like, I'm looking for a hurt unicorn. (laughs) Have you seen anything? I haven't seen a unicorn, but I've seen how bright Mars is tonight. Okay, but (laughs) we're thinking a little closer to home. Have you seen anything unusual in the forest? Well, I'm in the forest now, and right above the forest, Mars, <laughs> Mars is unusually, is unusually bright. bright. And Hagrid's just like, I, 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 I got to get out of here tonight. I can't do it. So he leaves the centaurs, and all of a sudden we see red sparks from the other group. So somebody's dead. Yes. So Hagrid leaves Hermione and Harry alone in the woods after thought- they just heard some creepy sound. Yeah. I thought they came with... No, no they came with No, he said them. stay here. Did he bring the other ones back to them? He brings the other them? ones okay. back to them. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was dumb. A lot of... A lot of uh, <laughs> but uh, if he was charging into a war zone, you're not going to take two other kids with you. There you are going to... There's like some, you know, creepy, you know, hooded figure wandering around that they... they think they heard something. Yeah, yeah. slithering-ish yeah. noise. Yeah. Why's it got to be slithering-ish? That's what it said. They heard mm. a slithering noise. Yeah. Of like, they said a cloak wisping across the dry leaves. Interesting. Interesting. And it turns out that the red sparks are kind of a far- false alarm because Draco had just scared the sparks out of Neville. <laughs> <laughs> literally scared the sparks literally out Literally scared the sparks out of Neville. So Hagrid decides that it's time to mix up the groups a little bit. So we are going to trade the chosen one, Harry Potter, for Neville. 
And now Harry joins the team of Fang and Draco because Harry won't be so easily scared by Neville. Yeah, can handle his own. Neville. Malfoy. Or by Malfoy. Yeah. Harry can handle his own against Malfoy. And Hagrid's especially worried now because red sparks have flown up. So, you know, any we're trying to figure out what's hurting these unicorns. It may have been scared off by the, the red sparks. Well, we kind of go back and forth between, hey, we're just trying to find this unicorn and help them. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we got to find the thing that's hurting them. Yeah. But that's probably not... I think I feel like Hagrid's pulling double duty here. It's like two birds, one stone, guys. But you probably shouldn't be hunting some monster with all the children um, in tow. I always go monster hunting with a uh, group of inexperienced. Yeah, with with a convoy of children. <laughs> children. <laughs> I mean, I can see taking Harry or Hermione because, like we said, chosen one. And she's top of her class. I but mean, yeah, if you're gonna take anybody, don't take, take, take some fifth years. You know, you don't take a, you know, a bunch of 11-year-olds out, out into the something called Forbidden Forest on a oh field trip. So uh, we got the new teams and Harry and Draco uh, stumble upon this sad situation, the dead unicorn. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, so beautiful, but yet so... Um, Tragic to see a beautiful creature like that in such a unfortunate predicament. And as Harry approaches the unicorn, he kind of takes one step toward it. We kind of hinted at the possibility of a of a strange figure out in the forest, and that hooded figure pops out of nowhere and approaches the unicorn and starts doing what? Drinking its blood. Lovely. Which is never a good thing you know when you see like some stranger go up to a dead animal and start drinking its blood Mm -hmm. usually not the beginning of a positive interaction no no so of course uh, draco screams and runs away (coughs) leaving uh harry there kind of stuck in the mud uh drawing all of the attention of the hooded figure and the hooded figure heads straight for harry and that scar on his forehead just feels like it's on fire again. Yep. Chops him to his knees. Mm-hmm. It hurts so bad. So that tells us that we have some kind of evil connection here. Because the last time that happened was when Snape was very focused on Harry Potter in the Great Hall, right? Yes. And I can't even remember what the time before... I thought there was another time before that that there was some um, interaction with the scar on his forehead. I think that was the only one, just that first day. But we do know that the scar is tied to the the Voldemort attack from when he was a child. So usually that means that there's some big-time evil going on here because it, it usually doesn't mean that, you know, your spidey sense is going off and something really good's about to happen to you. Exactly. So, the scar on forehead is on fire, drops Harry to his knees, and uh, it seems like he could potentially be done for here by whatever evil things out creeping around in the woods drinking unicorn blood. But Harry is saved when the hooded figure is chased off by a centaur, but this time a different centaur, a new, younger, more more handsome centaur that we have not found 
Well, yes, he is. They they do. We have not met before. Describe him as rather handsome, don't yeah. they? Oh, yeah. Dashing. Just, uh, dashing. Uh, just kind of. Uh, I'm just. I kind of pictured like the elves from Lord of the Rings, like <laughs> in my head. You know, yes, just like long, have. long flowing hair, and just kind of, you know, just super handsome. Uh, and this is Ferenz, right? Yes. And we were kind of having a hard time figuring out the pronunciation because it is apparently an Italian word, uh, Firenze. Firenze. But, but in the movie, Hagrid says Firenze. And we don't know if that's how it's really pronounced or if that's just Hagrid's uh, <laughs> Hagrid speaking Hagridese. Yeah, which, like, he's, he's got he's his own to way do. of talking. But Ferenz recognizes Harry. So Harry is truly famous because even centaurs living out in the Forbidden Forest know who the, the chosen one is. Or maybe the planets just told him, you're going to meet Harry Potter tonight. Could be. Like they Could spelled be. it out. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you're you're making more hand gestures. Yeah. Nobody can see you. I, as long as you know what I'm talking That's about. That's true. But Ferenz actually recognized the, uh, the scar on the forehead and... Kind of put two and two together and, and figured out that this is the, the famous Harry Potter. Well, apparently it was inflamed, mm-hmm. being agitated. Sure. Is what it said. It's like, yeah, yeah. And I think, and Ferenz kind of leads us to believe that he's aware of how important, not only how important Harry is to magical history and the fact that he has some relation to the ousting of uh, Voldemort from power, but also how important it is to get Harry out of these woods ASAP, right? Yes. Hot take by you. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I just, I set you up for uh, to, to be, you know. You, you cover to, it all too well, To drop though. some knowledge on us. And, and I can't be spoilery. But uh, Ferenz actually tells Harry to hop on his back, which, a little weird, I guess, to be riding on the horse part, but to have to a dude... To hold on to the dude. A dude right in front of you? <laughs> I, guess, I mean, do you hold on to the hair? <laughs> no. Like, like he, the mane? He's held on to the shoulders, and there's no mane. He's got, he's got a, a he's big... He's got hair. He's got a big luscious mane. Not a mane. It's just hair. Okay, so we're led to believe that this is kind of a rare occurrence. That this is kind of a, um, you know, a last ditch uh, situation that we would have a human riding on our back, right? Yes. This is not like it's just some not done. No. Belittling your beneath them. Right. Because the other centaur, we hop uh, happen upon the other centaurs. Uh, that being Bane and Ronan. Ronan, yeah. And they're not happy about seeing a, a human on a centaur's back. No. Like you said, that this is like belit- this is beneath them. Are you a common? I think you said, are you a common mule or something like that? I don't know what it said in the Philosopher's Stone. <laughs> That's what it said. Common mule. Like, are you a common wanker? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, didn't it didn't say, say that, that. No. in the in no. the Philosopher's. Stone. Okay. It said mule. Okay, just checking. But uh, Ronan seems to have more of an attitude mm-hmm. than Bane. Like Bane kind of seemed like, well, it was important, right? This is just the one time because it's important, right? right? And Ronan's like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Ro- Ronan seems kind of like unacceptable, like the old school 
and uh, Bane is kind of like the that middle kind of strikes me as like that middle generation, and Ferenz kind of is like the young, like upstart, um, you know, revolutionary type of centaur who, you know, the world he kind of sees that the world is changing and that. You know, maybe the policies of the centaurs need to change as well, too, right? Yeah, yeah. They kind of have a very cryptic argument about whether they should stay out of things. Well, that's the tradition, but sometimes we're going to have to take a stand and help out, mm-hmm. even if it means helping these lowly humans. Yeah, fighting alongside these humans if we have to. Yeah. The so, what do they know? What do the centaurs? No, at this point, based on based on what they've seen in the stars, what do they, what are we led to believe that they know is going to happen at this point? Um, it's still, I mean, it's still very vague, but obviously they think something's happening with Voldemort. He tells Harry, he basically tells Harry that that was Voldemort mm-hmm. living off the blood of the unicorn, mm-hmm. and what is hiding in the castle? And Harry's, oh, the philosopher's mm-hmm. stone. Oh, that's what he wants. Oh, Snape wants it for for Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And then he also makes the comment about, you have to get out of these woods tonight. It's important you not be here. They make some vague comments about how he's important for the future. He'll be important. We, You know, the world will need him mm-hmm. later. <clears throat> so, but we don't know anything other than that. Like, there's no... They don't spell it out for us. And like you said, Ronan is kind of of the belief that, you know, we're we're just here to know and to observe. We're not here to interfere. There's actually a... uh, One of the first comics my dad ever read to me when I was really little was the Fantastic Four one where Galactus comes to Earth and uh, the Watcher, who's, uh, you know, they... The Watchers watch everything in history and record it. The creepy ones. Right. The big, you know, creepy bulb look like big babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, but they're sworn to not interfere. Like that is, they're, they're merely there to, whenever something big in history happens, they're there to watch it and record it. They're not there to interfere. And they, the Watcher kind of has this big dilemma on, you know, should I just let Galactus come and devour this planet or should I use, you know, I'm very powerful. Should I, you know, break my oath and my code and uh, help defend this planet because they have potential and they have, you know, the ability to do great things in the future. And it kind of seems that the centaurs, there's a a rift in the centaurs as well there where Ferenz is kind of thinking that we have the ability to, to to help if we know something bad's coming if we know ultimate evil is coming back shouldn't we do something about it and ronan is kind of like no we shouldn't you know and we find out later in the chapter that well harry kind of comes to the um realization that you know ronan be would be fine with just seeing me dead you know he kind of says that at the end of the chapter yeah uh but like you were saying, Ferenz reluctantly clues Harry in on some important facts. He kind of rides with him for a little while and kind of is very quiet, even though Harry's asking some questions. But Ferenz eventually 
decides that he needs to... I'm not just going to come out and tell him, but if he figures it out based on the clues I give him, yeah. <laughs> that it's okay. And he says, well, unicorn blood keeps you alive, even if you're at death's door, but it's a half-life. It's a cursed life. And that's what he said. In, and I think he said that because you were watching one of the clips from the movie. He said... I was kind of just overhearing. It's almost exactly what he said in the book, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean by like a a cursed life, a half-life? Well, I mean, he's not really alive. Um, We can't spoil why he's not really alive. So it's like you're like a a shell. A shell. He's not really You're still on this (laughs) mortal plane. And he apparently needs constant access to the because this is the second unicorn mm-hmm. he's killed so it's not yeah. like oh you can have a sip of unicorn blood and you're yeah. you're good to go yeah. little ghost man yeah probably but, seems like it probably kind of keeps you keeps you your head above water for a few days and you need need another taste yep gotta get another fix. need a large taste gotta go to your uh, your dealer so even you know if you're satisfied with that sort of existence you're still like tethered to finding more unicorn blood mm-hmm. in order to stay alive and because it's, I, I think you said the reason is that that you're cursed because unicorns are innocent, they're majestic, sure. they're magical. N- only somebody truly evil would and nefarious would want to hurt them for no reason other than to, you know, drink their blood. Being selfish, to, yeah, right. for themselves. So. The theory is that someone would drink the unicorn blood as a temporary fix until a more permanent solution to immortality can be found. And Harry, through these hints, can only think of one person who would take these risks and do these horrible things for their benefit, you know, with some coaxing clues from Ferenz. And that's Voldemort. Mm -hmm. It's got to be Voldemort. And I think Forenz is kind of like, yay, you figured it out. Good job. And Harry goes back to uh, Hogwarts and kind of clues everybody in that Voldemort's back. Snape, Hiding out in the woods. Yeah, Snape doesn't want the stone for himself. Sta- Snape wants the stone for Voldemort so Voldemort can, you know, uh, become whole again, I guess. And... You know, the the other student, or uh, I, I guess it's mainly Ron who's saying, stop saying his name. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, what was, uh, Hermione was in on this conversation too, right? Yeah. Well, she hasn't grown up with the superstition. You know, she's muggle-born. Mm-hmm. So she, her first introduction was when she started doing her study. After she got her letter, she started doing her studies. So she doesn't have that long, ingrained superstition about not saying the name. But she's conscious enough. She just, as much as she doesn't fit in, she tries to mm-hmm. fit in. And so I think she's trying to be like a rest of she says, you know, you know who or. Yeah. So she says it, but she doesn't say the name, but she. Do you think she's kind of doing that for, for Ron's benefit as well? You know, maybe just to kind of, because she knows how how it sets him off you know maybe she's just kind of trying to be a a good friend trying to be the mediator between sure okay 
Perry, we can just call him you-know-who and, and not <laughs> yeah. say... Because somebody here can't take it when we say you-know-who's name. <laughs> One of the three of us has a big problem with that. Yeah, I think it's partly that, but I also think it's partly she wants so desperately to be like them, like okay. the wizards. Well, I, I, yeah, and I, I, I get that point. I just thought that maybe there was like a, you know, another reason but yeah, that at that she moment, that she was too. probably trying to help diffuse... So big, big stuff happening, and then we always get something big happening at the end of the chapter. The invisibility cloak is back in Harry's bed, folded neatly, kind of hiding under the blankets. Under sheets, yeah. With a note that says, just in case. Just in case. So that means somebody came across the cloak at the top of the tower. Uh Uh-huh. Cleaned it like up, cleaned it up really nice. Away or something. Probably took it to a nice dry cleaners. So it was a windy night. <laughs> got it, you know, got it pressed and and folded and and ready, uh, you know, ready to go. There's spells for that. They can just. Well, I, I don't think so. I don't and... think there's any magic spells for for dry cleaning. I think it's a, it's an exact science, and you need to take it to a professional. I think you need to read the books more. Okay, is that in the second book? <laughs> Harry Potter and the Dry Cleaner of Doom. <laughs> Is that there's fan no, fiction? There's fan no fiction you're working on? We don't need dry cleaners. Yeah, because they're all evil. They're not evil. <laughs> they're That's muggles. why it's called the Dry Cleaner of Doom. No, dry cleaner is a muggle thing. They wouldn't do that. Okay. So uh, the invisibility cloak is back in play. Voldemort is, we think, back and crawling around um, like a unicorn vampire in the woods uh snape apparently for all we know has gotten to quarrel that is harry's uh assumption and uh big things are going to start happening because we're only down to two chapters so a couple things before we get going it's always fun to talk about the differences in my version of the book and your version of the book, the Sorcerer's Stone and the Philosopher's Stone. What were some of the things that you noticed that uh, kind of stood out to you? Um, not much this time, at least not that I, because like, I just read my copy mm-hmm. and once in a while I'm like, mm, that looks a little funny. <laughs> I wonder if it's a way, and then I'll grab yours, grab yours and look at it. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't do that today. I mean, I pointed out a couple of strange things to you about the quotes. Yeah. Oh. the uh, In the uh, U.S. version, they use the double quotation marks, whereas in the Philosopher's Stone, they only use the single, single. Uh, quotation mark, which is, I mean, not a big thing. but No, I, mean, I got pretty far into the book before I noticed. <laughs> right. I noticed a couple chapters ago, but... Um, I got at least half, well, I didn't get halfway through because I started off in the mm-hmm. regular one and you got me this one for my birthday. Sure. So, but I've read a couple of chapters before I realized it was different. Um, they have a, an accent mark on Halloween. Yeah, it was like H, H-A-L-L. O-W-E. Apostrophe E-N. But, so the double E's in Halloween. Get a accent mark. Make I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get that either. Um, I don't understand you Brits. You're <laughs> like, so fancy with your extra, with your lack of quotation marks and your extra quotation or extra uh, apostrophes. 
we used revisions again a couple of times instead of studying. Okay. Uh, when Harry was upset, or he wasn't upset, he was glad that the tests were coming because he spent all his time doing revisions, and it just was a good distraction. And he thought that Hermione would complain about missing revision time to do detention, but she didn't complain. Gotcha. So it was just a couple of those in there. That's all I really noticed this time. What about the uh, relationship between the movie and the book in this chapter? That, I no doubt, was a big scene in the movie. Forbidden yeah. Forest, uh, potential uh, appearance of Voldemort, as we believe at this point that it's Voldemort creeping around in the woods. Uh, centaurs, kind of a big deal. So uh, what, what were some of the things that kind of stood out from you from that? Anything that particularly missing? I think you mentioned something about the uh, the teams that were created. Yeah, I was confused at the beginning because in the chapter they, they had different team-ups and I knew that's not the way it ended up in the movie. And, you know, it's been a while since I've read the book so I forgot that they come back together and split up again and all that. So it made me, I was like, was this, I don't know, I just thought for a second that it was going to be very different than mm-hmm. what I remembered from the movie harry potter dies in this book <laughs> wait he goes with hermione <laughs> oh my god i was trying to remember what happened to hermione when harry actually found the unicorn because i knew he was by himself but i was like it had to be with draco i can't remember why it just didn't it confused me <laughs> in the beginning anything else about uh, particularly uh, the thing that stood out to me that I was wondering was the treatment of Harry after the, the loss of points for Gryffindor. Is that something that uh, really stands out to you? As, was it in the movie? Was it not that prominent? Yeah, I don't think they make a big deal of it in the movies. Okay. Um, they might do like one quick breakfast scene where people are being grumbly with him or something. Yeah, I, I don't grumble, remember, grumble, grumble. I don't remember specifically. Lost points, grumble, grumble. But Hash browns are burnt. Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> I don't think they burn the hash browns. You don't think no hash browns are burned no. at Gryffindor? No. Hashtag don't burn that, the hash browns. That food is prepared perfectly. Mm. Okay. Wizards can't make mistakes, I guess. Uh, well, it's not wizards making the food, so. Who's making the food? You have to keep reading. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, so what we in the business call a teaser. You. You're uh, you're teasing us. You're gonna uh, you're not gonna give us the dish yet. You think there's a bunch of wizards sitting yeah. in a kitchen somewhere whipping yeah. up food? Maybe hobbits. Maybe nope. Crossover. Nope. No. Okay. Anything else stand out? Are you ready to get out of here? I think we covered it all. Okay, we covered every every bit of it. There's only two chapters left, Jessica. We got Voldemort potentially creeping around the woods, drinking unicorn blood. We got Quirrell freaking out, and his turban's all crooked, and Snape's getting closer to the stone, and maybe he's working with Voldemort, and we still got a house cup to win, and we got final exams coming up that we've got to do some revisions for. Some revisions. A lot to pack into two chapters, but we're going to do our best to break it down for you on the next episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. So until then, I am Dan. I'm Jessica. And we'll see you then. Has me 